Here we go. You are listening to Law and Gospel Rumination Tuesday, November the 10th in the year of our Lord, 2021. And the hymn we're going to be taking a look at is The Day is Surely Drawing Near. the first verse of the day is surely drawing near got to move the microphone around all right that is actually an anonymous german hymn written somewhere around 1565 it had 19 stanzas boy how would you like to sing 19 stanzas for a hymn but then lutheran pastor Bartholomaeus Ringwald died in 1599, evidently felt that the German hymn did not have quite the right emphasis, and he published a revised version in 1586. And it had an original seven stanzas. Now, those seven stanzas talk about Judgment Day. And that, of course, is what this hymn is all about. So, without further ado, let's ask Mark Smith, pastor, what he thinks of this hymn. It's not my favorite melody, but uh, the words are good. And, you know, I I, I don't know. I, I find these judgment hymns like this that, that remind us that judgment is coming, I find them very interesting. Interesting. Yeah, well, interesting and, and sobering, and sobering too. Yes. So without further ado, would you read the first stanza? Okay. The day is surely drawing near when Jesus, God's anointed, in all his power shall appear as judge whom God appointed. Then fright shall banish idle mirth, and flames on flames shall ravage earth, as Scripture long has warned us. Now, you know, there's a lot of people, if you ask them, who is the judge on the day of judgment, they would say, God the Father. Yeah, that's right. That's that's what a lot of people uh, uh, jump to that conclusion. But who is the judge? Jesus. Jesus. Yes. He's he's our judge, and he's also our advocate and defender. Yes. But that's not heard much in this first stanza. No. In fact, you know, where it says, Then fright shall banish idle mirth. 
What's that talking about? What's idle mirth? Oh, uh, well, idle is the key word there. Mirth, mirth, I think, is uh, laughter, um, yes, happiness, giddiness, that kind of thing. Yeah, like loving the world. Right. And, and that's idle because it's not working. I, I'm doing the Sunday school lesson uh, today for issues, etc., the calling of Matthew as a tax collector to be an apostle to Jesus, one of his disciples. And there it talks about quite clearly that God therefore calls unworthy people to do his task as he has done with you and me in becoming pastors. Absolutely. So who is this referring to? that fright shall banish idle mirth. Is that referring to well, believers? That's, no, that's referring to uh, unbelievers. Unbelievers yes. that will be caught caught completely by surprise. Yes. Like a thief and in the night. They will really be frightened. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Flames on flames shall ravage earth, as Scripture long has warned us. So yeah, that fact, the heaven and the earth that we know is going to be different. Yeah. In fact, it talks, I think in the Old Testament, it it gives those passages that uh, the unbelievers would wish that the mountains would fall on them and that the hills would cover them. Exactly. Yeah. And they're not going to be able to escape. No escape at all. Not at all. Well, let me go to verse two. The final trumpet then shall sound and all the earth be shaken. And all who rest beneath the ground shall from their sleep awaken. But all who live will in that hour, by God's almighty boundless power, be changed at his commanding. Now, who is that referring to? Well, it's it's making the distinction between those that lie in the dust, the, the, those that have already died, they'll, be, they'll all be raised. And, uh, but we who still are alive and remain, those of us that are still alive and remain when the Lord comes again, will all be changed in the twinkling of an eye. Yes, all who live will in that hour be changed at his commanding. Right. Now, this refers also to unbelievers. Yes. Yes, they'll be raised also. Yes. But how are... Their their spirit will be joined with their body also? Yes, that's right. Uh, and uh, and we'll, be, uh, we'll be glorified bodies, and that's, that's, that's the big distinction there. They will not be glorified. They'll probably be an abhorrence, uh, a grisly, grisly bunch to be raised from the dead. And... Uh, yeah, we uh, talked we about will... that in uh, Bible study this week. What uh-huh. are you going to look like when you're in heaven? For example, I'm dealing with four congregations right now, and they know what I look like. But if when we're resurrected from the dead, and some scholars believe that you'll be back at the age of 20 or 21, then nobody's going to recognize me hardly. <laughs> I'd... <laughs> 
great. Uh, Tom, I don't think anybody will mistake you. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Mark. You'll, you'll probably have a bag of uh, of White Castles under your arm. <laughs> yeah, that'll <laughs> you're show You're going to be in glory. <laughs> Joy's forevermore at the right hand. <laughs> um, uh, we we were at Walmart, and uh, believe it or not, you know they always have their own kinds of food that they make yes. themselves. That's and right. I just bought 24 of their items that looked like White Castles. <laughs> and they were a lot cheaper, but they don't taste like a White Castle. No, no, that's right. No. They're, they're good. They're pretty close. You bet. But be that as it may, yeah, we need to make these distinctions that yeah. even though all of us will be raised from the dead, Right. The unbelievers will not be remaining in their graves and get extinguished. You right. Know, there, there are pastors who believe there's no such place as hell, that those who would be going to hell are just put out of existence. Yeah. But I, well, I think it's harder to believe in hell than it is to believe in heaven. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it, where their worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. Yeah, that is an abhorrence. That's a, it's a terrible thought. In fact, it's too bad people can't get just a slight glimpse of hell. It it might it might give them enough, uh, make them think think twice. It's well, got to be terrible. Certain illnesses can cause great pain and such. Yeah, yeah. I mean, how many times have you met with shut-ins who wish that they would fall asleep in Jesus? And they can't, which oh, is yes, interesting because all who rest beneath the ground shall from their sleep awaken. Right. So that's interesting. I've, I've never really considered this. Okay. A believer dies and he immediately, his spirit goes to heaven. If an right. unbeliever dies, where does their spirit go? I would say to uh, hell. I would say yeah. that the spirit goes to hell. And the Bible verse to back that up, what did Jesus do after he rose from the dead? Well, he he, he went right. Uh, oh, after he rose from the dead. No, yeah. he, uh, he uh, stayed with his disciples for about 40 days. Well... What did he do the day he rose from the dead? Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, he descended into hell. You're right. He descended into hell, of course. And so that sometimes is called Sheol. Sheol, you right. Know, the place, place of the of dead. The dead. Yeah. And we know that there were spirits there. And what spirits were there at that time? Uh, the, those that uh, died, what, I think it's, it talks about those that died before uh, before Noah or at the time of Noah. At, yes, very good. Those who died in the flood of Noah. Mm -hmm. And he proclaimed victory to them. Uh, he didn't proclaim the gospel because nobody can be saved. No. That's right. But he showed that he had overcome death, was resurrected from the dead. So there's our evidence yes. that unbelievers have a place to go also. Well, there's also the story. Day. There's also the story that Jesus himself told about the rich man and Lazarus. Exactly. And uh, the rich man had his brothers uh, in hell. Well, he said to Abraham, "Go and tell my brothers and warn them." 
And what You're did right. Abraham say? That's right. Uh, they have... They have the, Moses and the prophets. Yeah, if they don't listen to them, they won't right. even listen if someone rises from the dead. That's right. <laughs> that, and that's and uh, really the rich powerful. man spoke spoke from hell. That's right. That's right, yes. Now... That's a parable, and we don't get doctrine from parables in the sense that we can't say that those in hell can see those in heaven and are having conversations with them. But at any rate, Jesus is making a good point. Right. All right, stanza three, please. The books are opened then to all, a, a record truly telling what each has done, both great and small, when he on earth was dwelling. And every heart be clearly seen, and all be known as they have been in thoughts and words and actions. You know, Tom, uh, a lot of times people will ask me, um, you know, when, we're, when, we're, when we stand before the judge, when we stand before our Lord Jesus as judge, and it says in Scripture, we must all appear before the judgment. Right. Uh, people want to know, well, if I'm a believer, if I'm a believer in Jesus, will nevertheless all my sins, all my past mistakes, will they all be exposed or all to see? People are really bothered by that, by that thought. They know, they know that Jesus has washed all their sins away in baptism. And but they uh, they worry about some of the things that they did while they were living, and they regret, and they wonder if those things are going to be made known. Now, it think? appears to me that if you're raised from the dead to heaven, you're supposed to be in bliss with no sorrow, sadness, sickness. You know, Revelation goes through all that. Yeah. So... I think what we're talking about here are perhaps the unbelievers, because I don't think the believers are going to be faced with their sins. Somehow they're going to realize how blessed they are. But how they're going to know that isn't just by seeing Jesus, but perhaps in recognizing that they personally don't deserve heaven. Well, the passage that I always share with these people that worry about that yes. is there is now no condemnation for them that are in Christ Jesus. No right. condemnation. Yeah, so there may be what this text is saying. There may be evidence of your sinful nature, but you're not condemned by it. Right. But what bothers people is, Maybe they don't want others to know what they have done secretly. Exactly. That's what they worry about, people. Yes. yes. So if there's bliss in heaven, even if that is made known, it's not going to take away their bliss. No, that's true. So that's the emphasis. That's pretty clear there. Okay. All right. I'll read four. Then woe to those who scorn the Lord and sought but carnal pleasure, who here despised his precious word and loved their earthly treasures. With shame and trembling, they will stand and at the judge's stern command to Satan 
be delivered. Now, that's clearly referring to unbelievers. Right. And that idea of carnal pleasures, that really fits well with that first verse, that fright shall banish idle mirth, because as explained what idle mirth is, those who are seeking only carnal pleasures. What's carnal mean? Carnal is fleshly. Yes. Right. So they despise his precious word. And boy, are we hearing that from people today. Some who have been in the church and have left the church because they despise his word. Yeah, it's. That's right. We want to. That, that's one of the things that I'm going to be wa- warning my people again this Sunday. Is we want to rem- God keep us remaining in His words, strong in His word and sacrament. Absolutely. Yes, and that occurs even without our help, because if they're in worship, they're hearing God's word, they're maybe receiving the sacrament of the Lord's Supper, and so that's how God keeps them safe and we should never be concerned about having to do something in order that we're going to be right with God. Yeah. In fact, even if, even if the sermon isn't what it should be, everybody has their bad Sundays. Every preacher has his, his, some, some Sundays are better than the others, but even if the sermon isn't what it should be, you're still surrounded in that, in that worship service, you should be surrounded with the liturgy, which is just chocked full of, uh, of God's word and gospel. Uh, and also the hymns, the hymns too. Uh, you're, you're just, there, there's no excuse for walking out of that church without having heard plenty of the gospel. Exactly, if, if the liturgy is done properly. That's right. And, and the proper hymns. Right. So it appears in... Stanza five, if you'll read that, that we are knowledgeable about something. So stanza five, please. My Savior paid the debt I owe, and for my sin was smitten. Within the book of life, I know my name has now been written. I will not doubt, for I am free, and Satan cannot threaten me. There is no condemnation. That's a great verse. Well, that's that last line that you were already talking about. Right. That we're not condemned anymore. There's no condemnation for them in Christ Jesus. Right. But we're also aware that we have a debt to God, but we no longer owe it. That's right. Christ paid the debt. By being smitten. That's what the crucifixion was all about. Whereas there are those today who say what the crucifixion reminds us of is an example to follow, that we should be willing to give up our life for others. No, no, it's that Jesus gave up his life for the whole world. That's right. And therefore, the sins of everyone has been paid for. See, that's the message that we put out, that your sin has been forgiven. But then... People reject that and prefer to pay for their own sins. Yeah, that's why, you know, it is finished. The full atonement has been made. It is finished. That's why we call it Good Friday. Yes, right. 
All right, I'll read six. May Christ our intercessor be, and through his blood and merit, read from his book that we are free with all who life inherit. Then we shall see him face to face with all his saints in that blessed place which he has purchased for us. Now, the the two words I love using that make a distinction between law and gospel are found in this verse, namely merit and inherit. How how do you explain that in regard to law and gospel? Well, they're they're opposites. Uh, It's through his blood and merit, but not our own. We have not merited heaven at all. We merely inherit it. Uh, having been adopted uh, in in holy baptism, it's it's an inheritance. It's not something we've earned or deserved. No way. Christ but has done it all for us. It's just a natural thought that we merit heaven, because here on earth we merit everything. I go work at uh, the Forward Motor Company, and I get a check. I don't consider that a gift or an inheritance. That's something I merited because right. I worked during the week, this sort of thing. So that's kind of good to kind of keep in mind that under the law, you think you can merit heaven, whereas in reality, you inherit it because it is a gift. Now, how do you explain which he has purchased for us? which he's purchased for us with all his saints in that blessed, the, the best, the blessed place, which he has purchased for us. He has full atonement made. Uh, and, and he's, he's given us that robe of righteousness, which he, which he won for all of us on the cross. He atoned for every last one of our sins, all of them, all of our sins. In, in fact, the sins of the whole world. And so he's, that's what redemption means. He's bought us back bought us back from hell, really, and uh, and redeemed us for heaven. Well, he, he, had the, to, the, he, had to pay, he had to pay with his holy, precious blood and his innocent suffering and death. You hit the word that I was looking for. The title that Jesus has that talks about him purchasing us is that of Redeemer. Redeemer, exactly. Because when slaves got their freedom... They were bought with that. Somebody paid money, either the slave earned it or somebody paid for his freedom. It was said that he was redeemed and he no longer was under bondage to another leader, but he was free. And that's what Christ has done for us. What was the bondage that he freed us from? From sin, death, and hell. Exactly. And therefore... We were in bondage to Satan, and we are now freed from that. Right. Okay, last stanza, please. O Jesus Christ, do not delay, but hasten our salvation. We often tremble on our way in fear and tribulation. O hear and grant our fervent plea. Come, mighty judge, and set us free from death and every evil. Now, that's an attitude that I don't think even a lot of Christians have, namely, do not delay but hasten our salvation. 
I've yeah, got... we're no, we're in no hurry. We're in no, most of us are in no hurry at all for the for the final judgment, right? No, and that's because we're enjoying life here on Earth. Right. We've got a bunch of things that we have to do. I'm in the middle of writing two more books, and I'm doing some other items. And I, I like God to wait until I'm finished. Well, he may not. Yeah. So I always yeah, say the prayer of Hezekiah. Yes. Yeah. What he, was that pr prayer? Well, all I can tell you is God gave him 15 more years. Yes. He extended he his life 15 by, years. He was told by Isaiah that God was going to take him pretty quick. Right. And Hezekiah began to pray. And he got those extra years. So yeah, fifteen that, of them. That'd be, I think, nice. But that's because I don't really have uh, understanding of how much greater heaven is going to be, and so it's hard to say. Do not delay your coming. But if I ever get into a situation that many of our shut-ins are in, where they have no more family left and are in pain. They're looking forward to that day. Okay. Right. All right. On tomorrow's Law and Gospel, we're going to take a look at one of the greatest passages in the Bible that help us make a distinction between law and gospel. We're going to talk about it in a way that we actually urge you to type it out, put it in your wallet, and when people ask you, what do Lutherans believe? You can use this passage. That'll be on tomorrow's Law and Gospel. We thank Pastor Smith. I'm Tom Baker. Till then, God bless you. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod.